Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. SHN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Now it's time to take a sports break. A look at sports history on a daily basis. Hello, my friends of sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your place for all things great in sports history. And welcome to your sports break for this April 9th edition as we are going to cover some of the greatest events and people associated with the date of April 9th in sports history. And boy, do we have a lot of them. We're going to talk about some Hall of Fame birthdays, some great events, and uh, some things that really change the course of history of sport in these uh, North American uh, society. So, but before we do, let's talk a little bit about our newsletter. Our newsletter comes out each and every day, 6.30 a.m. It's totally free to join. You can cancel at any time. Easy to sign up for. Go to the show notes of this very podcast or the top of pigskindispatch.com or jerseydispatch.com to become a subscriber and find out everything that we're going to be covering in sports history for that day. Now, let's go into some of the Hall of Famers that have birthdays this day. Now, Paul Arizon, the, the, he was born April 9th, 1928 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame as a small forward. Now, Paul played ball as a Quantico star wearing number 11, and he later wore that number in the professional ranks for his hometown Philadelphia Warriors in the NBA. He was voted as the 1950 and 51 season's NBA Rookie of the Year, and Arizon aided the Warriors in winning an NBA championship in 1956. He was selected to the All-Pro team uh, four different times, and he's a four-time All-NBA selection. And as an NBA All-Star during his career, uh, he was an NBA scoring champion in 1952 and 1957. Now, sharing this birthday of April 9th, uh, this gentleman was born in 1907 in Ottawa, Ontario, and he's Hockey Hall of Fame center Ebby Goodfellow. A Goodfellow was a three-time NHL All-Star and won the Hart Trophy for the 1939-1940 seasons. Now, Ebby's NHL career lasted for 14 seasons with the Detroit Red Wings from 1929 to 1944 as both a forward and a defenseman. Very talented guy, this uh, Mr. Goodfellow was. Now, he helped the Red Wings win three Stanley Cups back-to-back in 1935 and 36 and 36-37 season and another one in the 1942 43 campaign. He was a captain of the Wings for five seasons, including winning the first Red Wings Most Valuable Player as a defenseman in 1939 and 1940. Now, also over on Pigskin Dispatch, we talk about some great Hall of Fame birthdays, and none is probably more important than the Hall of Famer Curly Lambeau in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was born April 9th, 1898 in Green Bay, Wisconsin, the very town where the where he played and coached. Now, Curly, along with his friend, uh, 
native George Whitney Calhoun founded the Green Bay Packers in 1919 and Curley went on to serve as the team captain in the team's first year before becoming the player coach in 1920, the first uh, when they went into the APFA NFL in the early years. Uh, 1921 is when they went into that. Now he was a star player of the Packers for the 1920s and Curley was the team's primary primarily a runner and passer. He was the, the main weapon for them and accounting for 35 touchdowns in 77 games. That's almost every other game scoring a touchdown. Now he won his only National Football League championship as a player during the 1929 season. And he was a coach from 1920 all the way to 1949, uh, some 39 years. And he was rivaled only by George Hallis with wins and longevity. And later on, Bill Belichick, who's still going on and probably will set every record. Lambeau also coached eight players who went on to be elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Other Football Hall of Fame birthdays celebrated. We have April 9th. 1871, Clearfield County, Pennsylvania, the great Penn Quakers fullback from 1894 to 1897, Jack Mines was born. Now Jack is credited with being one of the most influential in the game of innovators of football back in his era. The National Football Foundation states that Mines came up with the concept that kicking a stationary ball at the goalpost for points was a heck of a lot more accurate and easier than using the somewhat unpredictable drop kick approach. Now, historians tell us that Jack Mines converted the first kick from placement, a feat he often repeated during his illustrious career at Penn. When Mines was a starter at a Penn team, he was 55-1, and one, losing only once, and that was to a strong Lafayette team by the score of 6-4 to four in the 1896 contest. The Penn teams of 1894-95 were the undefeated national champions, and Mines was the master of the game and actually played five positions at different points during his collegiate career. He often operated at guard, tackle, and halfback, and fullback, as well as playing a lot of defense. And Jack Mines' collegiate football records are celebrated in the College Football Hall of Fame after his induction in 1962. Also sharing a birthday, same exact year, 1898, as Curly Lambeau. Fantastic again from Rutgers in the 1915-1918 seasons, Paul Robeson celebrates his day of birth. Robeson was a powerful contributor to the excellent record of Rutgers in that time frame with 22-6-3 under legendary coach G. Foster Sanford, according to footballfoundation.org. Uh, Paul had some fantastic plays that were made up, such as the 1915 contest against Rensselaer when he recovered an opponent's fumble that set up a touchdown, giving them a victory. In 1917, he scored on a 40-yard and 37-yard pass plays against Fort Wadsworth. That same season against Syracuse, Robeson caught passes on two key plays and on defense intercepted a pass. And one of Robeson's greatest games was in 1917 against Newport Naval Reserve, played on November 24th. Uh, Newport was undefeated and heavily favored because it had an all-star lineup of former college stars. Paul rose above all of these stars that day, shined brightest that day as he caught a touchdown pass and was outstanding on defense, leading Rutgers to a 14-0 victory. Now, Frank Menke, 
named him an All-American 1917-1918. Walter Camp, for some reason, did not recognize him, but in 1917, agreed with Mankey the next year and picked him onto the Walter Camp All-America team in 1918. The National Football Foundation recognized him, though, and selected Paul Robeson for entrance in the College Football Hall of Fame in 1995. Another birthday, April 9th, 1921, in Detroit, Michigan, was Vince Bananas Bananas at the University of Detroit's Great Center from 1939 to 1941. Uh, we have quite a bit of information on him on our website, pigskindispatch.com, and uh, know that he ended up going into College Football Hall of Fame in 1986, and he had a great 10-year pro career as uh, three world championships teams, first with the 1947 Chicago Cardinals and later with the 1952 and 53 Detroit Lions was Mr. Bananas. Now, April 9th, 1966, more of a contemporary player, standout defensive tackle from 1985 to 1988 of the Auburn Tigers, Tracy Rocker was born. Rockers was a dominant beast on the field as he earned the honor of the unanimous first team All-American selection in 1988 and a consensus pick in 1987. He was all-conference three times and became the first SEC player ever to win both the Outland Trophy and the Lombardi Award in the same season in 1988. He went into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2004 and played three seasons in the National Football League with the Washington Redskins and after that he hung up the helmet and has been found coaching uh, in defensive lines at uh, some various places and uh, we celebrate him as well. Our friend Jay Daniels over at 80s Baseball has some birthdays that uh, he wants to recognize as well. Uh, first of all, uh, the great Peter Gammon celebrates a birthday on the state of April 9th. Kirk McCaskill, who uh, won 106 games for the Angels and White Sox in the de- decade of the 80s, also recognized. Jose Guzman has a birthday this day. Hal Morris, uh, Mike Brumley, and Brian Dorsett, who also played during the 1980s. Jay Daniel also brings up that on April 9th, 1981, there was a couple of debuts that took place. Uh, the Blue Jays had their uh, draftee, George Bell, made his big league debut as a defensive replacement. And on that same day, Dave Henderson ended up getting into the batter's box and uh, with the Angels and finished 1981 with a batting average of 167, but he had a solid career, including a big home run in 1986. Also, on the state on 1981 on April 9th. Tom Brunowski went one for four with a single in his big league debut for the Angels as they brought a lot of folks out that day. April 9th, 1985, Ozzie Gillian uh, ends up making his debut with the White Sox and Mariano Duncan made his debut with the Los Angeles Dodgers on that day. Now we have uh, some great uh, events happening also in baseball. The ninth, uh, April 9th, 1987, the Mason-Dixon battle as the Baltimore defeated the Texas Rangers 8-6 in Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Ken Dixon got the win and Mike Mason got the loss. Uh, not the Mason-Dixon that uh, we were all expecting there. It was the players' names uh, to give us that. Now, we also have some great stuff on jerseydispatch.com as we try to cover each and every day of the year with some great uh, history. And we have those from a variety of uh, 
circumstances and resources. Uh, April 9, 1931, the Chicago Blackhawks defenseman Cy Wentworth. That's the game winner against the Montreal Canadiens at 13.50 of the sixth period as Chicago took the lead to take on that Stanley Cup finals in that game. Uh, April 9, 1959, Bill Sharman, number 21, drained an NBA record 56 consecutive foul shot as he and his Boston Celtics teammates captured the NBA title in a four-game sweep over the Minneapolis Lakers, 118-113. April 9, 1965, the first ever game is played at the Astrodome in Houston as the Astros, in their new confines, defeated the visiting New York Yankees 2-1 in an exhibition game as Mickey Mantle, number 7, hit the first unofficial Major League Baseball indoor home run. The NBA.com has a, a few great uh, things to point out for April 9th, and we share them with you. Number 14, Bob Cousy on this date in 1957 of the Celtics assisted a then NBA Finals record 19 helpers in the Celtics 124-109 win over the St. Louis Hawks in Game 5. Magic Johnson, number 32, set the current NBA Finals record of 21 assists in Game 3 of the 1984 NBA Finals during the Los Angeles Lakers 137-104 win over Boston. Uh, but April 9, 1958, number 9, Bob Pettit of those St. Louis Hawks made 19 free throws in his team's 102-100 Game 5 victory over the Boston Celtics the following year. And Pettit set an NBA Finals record for the most free throws in that one game. 1959, one year later on April 9th, the Boston Celtics defeated the Minneapolis Lakers 118-113 in Minneapolis in Game 4 of the 1959 NBA Finals to complete the first sweep in Finals history and capture the first of eight consecutive National Basketball Association championships. Over in the hockey arena, we have some great things from Vintage Hockey Jersey's website. Uh, April 9, 1942, the Detroit Red Wings outlasted the Toronto Maple Leafs by the score of 5-3 in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals. The Wings were powered by the prowess of Eddie Bush, who set an NHL record for points by defenseman in a Stanley Cup Finals game with five points that game. It wasn't all rosy, but the Detroit club that year, though, as uh, the Red Wings blew a 3 to nothing series lead in that Stanley Cup final to lose the Stanley Cup to Toronto. Now, Bush played in 26 career NHL games, scoring four goals and 10 points, and it, uh, 12 playoff points, seven points, uh, but he never scored another point after his record night and played again in the NHL following the 1942 Stanley Cup collapse. Did have a great career in coaching and playing in the minors. April 9, 1946, the Montreal Canadiens defeated the Boston Bruins 6-3 in a fifth game of the finals to become the 1946 Stanley Cup champions. Number 16, Elmer Locke led the way with a goal and added two assists in that game. April 9, 1980, some hockey royalty here. Number 9, Gordie Howe scored his last career National Hockey League goal in an 8-4 Hartford Whalers loss at Montreal in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup preliminary round. Now, Gordie's final tally was his 68th career playoff goal. This game also marked the only time that all three NHL's Howe brothers scored a point in the same game with Gordie and Marty Howe, each with a goal and an assist and Markow adding two assists in that game. 
There's some tremendous football history on this day. April 9th, night in 1880, not 1980, 1880, at Old Stoll Field in Kentucky in what is considered to be the first football game of the SEC per SECsports.com. Kentucky A&M, which went on to become the University of Kentucky, organized a football team and played a three-game series with the University of Transylvania in November of 1881. Uh, April 9th, 1945, the NFL required all players to wear long stockings. And uh, ESPN tells a story that Commissioner Elmer Layden decided that NFL players must wear their socks all the way up on their lower legs. And that's uh, truly an aesthetic thing, but uh, I think that carried on into modern times. So a lot of times they don't want those calves to show for some reason. April 9th, 1997, the NFL announced it would give $3 million to the CFL and possibly a World Classic Bowl. Uh, the agreement was to lessen the hostilities of the CFL when the NFL would schedule games in Toronto uh, to try to expand its reach. And on this date in 2015, Hall of Fame safety Troy Polamalu retired after 12 seasons with the Steelers for the NFL.com archives. Now that's just some great sports history all the way around. Some great players were talking about some legendary games, uh, some legendary feats of and events by these players. And uh, we're sure glad that you joined us here for some more great sports history. You can join us each and every day as we talk about sports history by either reading on pigskindispatch.com and jerseydispatch.com or by listening on one of our podcasts, the Sports Jersey Dispatch, or what you're listening to now, or the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch. Uh, all great events as well. And uh, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, show notes of this very podcast, or on those two websites that we mentioned. So till tomorrow, everybody, have a great sports history day. This penalty kill is almost over. I got to get back out on the ice. But thanks again for joining us for another great edition of Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com 
forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast. <laughs>